0: Magazine. Every fortnight, we enter room 106, the den of discomfort into which all new planning information is deposited, and extract
1: the key things you need to know. The government plans to give local authorities more control over the conversion of homes into short-term lets by putting the latter in their own use class. We'll highlight what you need to know. The Secretary of State has rejected an application
0: for 165 homes in a protected landscape partly on grounds of what the planning minister described as its generic suburban design.
1: We'll explore the implications. And, after a fortnight of strongly worded verdicts from judges and inspectors, we'll explore why some councils and developers have been getting into trouble in appeals and the courts. We'll also round up some of the other big news stories of the past fortnight. By the end of the show, you'll be ready to trade topical planning banter with your most intimidating colleagues. So... The moment of truth. Ready to go in? OK.
0: Well, here we are again in room 106, this apparently endless catacomb, full of dust, shadows and growing shells of paperwork.
1: Yes, it doesn't get any more welcoming. Thank goodness for the odd familiar face among the cowled figures flitting in and out of the shadows. It's our senior reporter Samantha Eckford. Hello, Sam.
0: Hi. Hello, Sam. I can see you're armed with the Government's proposals for new planning controls on short-term lets. Look forward to hearing about them shortly. But, John, can I first turn to you? You've been looking at a decision made by new Planning Minister Rachel McLean
1: on behalf of the Secretary of State. Yes, that's right. The Housing Minister has overruled the recommendation of a planning inspector and rejected a house builder's plans for a 165-home scheme on the grounds that its benefits, including its design, were not exceptional enough to justify the harm it would cause to an area of outstanding natural beauty. Okay, so uh, in
0: essence, the Housing Minister overruled the inspector who'd recommended
1: approval of the scheme. Uh, Why did the Housing Minister do that? What what were her reasons? Uh, Well, the application from Barclay Homes was submitted to tunbridge wells council for a site in the high Weald area of outstanding natural beauty in kent it was called in by the housing secretary michael gove but the decision was actually made by the housing and planning Minister rachel mclean on his behalf she said the scheme's benefits collectively carried substantial weight and these included the delivery of 165 new homes 40 percent of which would be affordable the provision of a biodiversity net gain of 21.6%, which is more than double the impending requirement of 10%, enhancement of recreation opportunities and improvements to highway safety. However, she disagreed with the inspector's conclusion that the scheme's benefits constituted the exceptional circumstances required to justify a major development in the AOMB, adding that the proposal would not be in the public interest. In particular, McLean said Gove disagreed with Jones on the scheme's design. The inspector had concluded that the design was of a high standard and has evolved having thoughtful regard to its context. But McLean's letter said the Secretary of State does not find the proposal to be of a high standard which has evolved through thoughtful regard to its context. Overall, he does not find that the scheme is sensitively designed having regard to its setting. He finds that the design does not reflect the expectations of the high-wheeled housing design guide being of a generic suburban nature which does not reproduce the constituent elements of local settlements. It goes on to say rather than being a benefit of the scheme as suggested by the inspector the Secretary of State considers that the design is a neutral factor in the planning balance. The letter also says that Gove agreed with the inspector that the scheme's combined benefits were substantial, but he did not agree that they were exceptional.
0: Okay. And uh, is this decision being seen as significant?
1: Firstly, the minister went against the recommendation of a planning inspector, which is unusual. And also design quality was a key factor in the decision and an area where the minister disagreed with the inspector. The government has recently toughened up its national policies on design... It revised the MPPF in 2021 to emphasise beauty and its more recent draft revisions, just before Christmas, place even more importance on this. The government's rhetoric in the past couple of years, particularly since Gove has been housing secretary, has also criticised the design of new build housing and emphasised the importance of beauty. So, for example, last autumn Gove gave a speech where he vowed to use all the powers we have to block new developments that are not aesthetically of high quality. But it's not the first time that design quality has been a key factor in a ministerial refusal of a scheme. Our readers may remember the tulip skyscraper in the City of London was rejected by the former housing minister, Christopher Pincher on Gove's behalf in the autumn of 2021, and design was cited as a, a key reason. At the same time, the West Ferry Printworks Scheme in Tower Hamlets was also refused on Go's behalf by another minister who cited shortcomings in the scheme's design. But both of these were in line with an inspector's recommendation, unlike the uh, the Kent decision.
0: OK, and uh, not surprisingly, that house builders are unhappy about it. What, what are the points that they're making?
1: Well, there's a very strong quote from David O'Leary, who's the executive director of the uh, House Builders Lobby Group, the Home Builders Federation. And he made the point, firstly, that the government's recent proposed changes to national planning policies, in his words, will drastically reduce housing supply. And he said that they are aiming to move away from a top-down system that asks councils to plan in accordance with local housing need. And then he said, on the other hand, the housing secretary in this case is personally intervening to block development that local communities actually want to see go ahead. Regardless of the supposed aims, the outcome seems to always be the same. Fewer newer homes built. This may be clever politics, but the long-term social and economic consequences will be huge. So he he, he doesn't mention the design issue. He's suggesting that, um, you know, the government's just blocking what it sees as, uh, what is regarded as an unpopular local development for political reasons. And they're worried that this is going to have a big impact on housing delivery.
0: OK, John, well, thanks very much for that. And we look forward to hearing more from you later on your roundup of the, uh, the other big stories of the past week or so. Now, turning to you, Sam, um, you've been looking at these proposals for a new planning use class for short-term lets.
2: Yes, that's right. So the Department for Leveling Up Housing and Communities has published a consultation on its plans for short-term lets. So this comes after Secretary of State Michael Gove promised last month to bring forward measures via the Leveling Up and Regeneration Bill to tackle what he described as a problem in the private rented sector where homes are being turned into Airbnbs and holiday lets in a way that impedes the capacity of young workers to find a place where they can stay in the locale that they love.
0: Okay, and um, what does it propose?
2: The consultation proposes the introduction of a new use class, which would permit local planning authorities to consider planning applications for new build short-term lets and grant permission conditioned to the new class where appropriate. Under the proposed new regulations, a short-term let property would be defined as the use of a dwelling house that is not a sole or main residence for temporary sleeping accommodation for the purpose of holiday, leisure, recreation, business or other travel.
0: Okay, so that applies to new builds, but what about existing properties?
2: So according to the consultation document, um, the government's proposing that existing properties would fall under the new use class once it comes into effect. So this means that owners of existing properties would not be required to apply for planning permission. However, it also proposes introducing two new permitted development rights for the change of use from a residential dwelling house to a short term let, and then vice versa. The document states that this would provide flexibility where short-term lets are not a local issue and areas would only see a change where the rights have been removed by making an Article 4 direction. It states that these directions, which allow councils to revoke permitted development rights under certain circumstances, should only be used where there is evidence of a local issue and should apply to the smallest geographical area possible.
0: Okay, so that's interesting. So they're creating this new use class which creates the need to apply for planning permission if you want to convert a new-build home into a in, into a short-term let, but the creation at the same time of permitted development rights presumably means that in most of the country it won't apply. It's just where councils go through the procedures necessary to disapply those permitted development rights, it'll give them a degree of control over new homes being turned into short-term lets. And I guess this is all a response to some of the controversy there's been in, in in sort of holiday hotspots around the country about um about Airbnb sort of taking over and um and, and you know, vastly reducing the amount of property that's available for local people.
2: Yeah, it's an issue that's been sort of brewing for a while, so um interesting to see the government's
0: proposals. Okay, well thanks very much for that. And of course, people who are interested can read more about it on our site. There have also been a few stories in the past few weeks about councils and um, developers getting into trouble in the courts and in appeals can you tell us a bit more about those
2: yes so the first of these stories um, involves a court challenge and a sleeping committee member so well in hatfield borough council is facing a court challenge after it set aside a planning refusal following complaints from the developer that a councillor was not paying attention or potentially asleep during the committee meeting at which it was determined
0: Uh, okay so what happened So
2: permission for a 14 home scheme on Greenbelt land um, was initially refused by the council's planning committee by seven votes to six. However, four days later, the developer, which was King and Co, complained to the council that it clearly did not have a fair hearing at committee. Uh, The developer accused an unnamed councillor of not paying attention to proceedings, saying that they were first on their phone and then suggested that they'd fallen asleep or appeared to be asleep for several minutes prior to the vote The developer argued that this meant the councillor had not been able to properly consider the proposals and, as the councillor's vote had been decisive, argued that the application should be redetermined. Following this complaint, the council's Executive Director of Place asked members to rescind the resolution and to reconsider the application afresh. The application was then unanimously approved at a subsequent meeting. A local landowner has since accused the authority of unlawfully rescinding the decision, on the basis that the council failed to give the committee good enough reasons to rescind its original refusal.
0: Okay, and what what's what's going to happen next with all this?
2: So the council's confirmed that it will be defending the action and a court date has been set for the 15th of June, so one to keep an eye on.
0: Okay, very interesting and yeah, you know, important principles being raised there. If you've made a decision, if the planning committee has made a decision, you know, is it right for that decision to be um to be rescinded on the on the basis of a complaint without other parties having the opportunity to comment on whether or not the circumstances alleged by the complainant actually took place. And I don't think that was the only example of a council getting into trouble for a decision it's made in the last couple of weeks.
2: No, so a planning inspector has described Portsmouth, the city council's committee members, as demonstrating a disturbing lack of awareness of basic planning procedure and law in refusing plans to expand three houses in multiple occupancy against officers'
0: advice. And so what happened?
2: So the applications to change three six-bedroom shared properties from homes of multiple occupancy in the C4 planning use class to the HMOs in the Sue generous use class were first submitted in 2019. This application was refused by members against the advice of officers because of the under-provision of communal living space and the need to protect the Solent special protection areas before it was later dismissed to appeal. The applicant then resubmitted plans, which were again refused, leading the applicant to appeal again. So in this decision notice, the inspector said that the works which had already been carried out did not constitute development under Section 55 of the Town and Country Planning Act 1990 and therefore did not require planning permission. He ruled no material change of use had taken place so there would be no uh, significant effect on the special protection areas. The inspector added that while he appreciated that planning departments tend to be busy and understaffed, that could not be used as any kind of excuse for the levels of service suffered by the applicant, saying that in this case it could only be described as appalling.
0: OK, so uh, bad news for a council again there. Any examples uh, from the last couple of weeks of a council being found to have done the right thing?
2: There is. So an inspector has dismissed an appeal against a council's refusal um, and ordered developers to cover the authority's full costs in Sussex. In this case, Mid-Suffolk District Council had refused the application for 279 homes on an unallocated greenfield site on flood risk grounds. The appellants appealed the decision, but this was dismissed by an inspector who said the appellants had failed to demonstrate that the development would be safe for its lifetime without increasing flood risk elsewhere. And the inspector also said that the development would go against a number of policies in the council's local plan.
0: Okay, and why did the developer have to pay costs?
2: In a separate costs decision, um, the inspector said that the scheme was clearly contrary to local and to national policy and that given the case had no reasonable chance of succeeding, um, the inspector found that the appellant's unreasonable behaviour had resulted in what the inspector described as an unnecessary or wasted expense for the council uh, and awarded a full award of costs.
0: Fantastic. OK, well, uh, interesting array of decisions there, certainly um There've been some hard things said about both councils and developers over the over the past fortnight. I guess the instance of the uh, criticism of the of, of a sort of badly informed planning committee is going to sort of chime with reports of elected members needing more training and complaints in, in some quarters that too many decisions are being made by members who are not uh, fully on top of the system and uh, and their responsibilities. But uh, yeah, no three three interesting cases. Thank you very much Sam and uh, I'll leave you here in room 106 uh, to continue sifting through the uh, the uh, the court and uh, and appeal decisions and look forward to seeing you back here sometime soon. Okay, so now to find John again so he can give us his roundup of other key news stories in the uh, in the
1: past couple of weeks. Oh, here he is. So what else have you got for us, John? Firstly, the Government's Office for National Statistics has published updated affordability figures, which are used to calculate councils' local housing need levels. Planning consultants have estimated that just over half of local planning authorities in England will see a decrease in their local housing need figures as a result. Next, the High Court has has upheld a challenge to a council's permission for a replacement home, ruling that where such a permission is granted, demolishing the original building is not enough to validly implement the permission in question. Elsewhere, the Housing Minister, Rachel McLean, has refused planning permission for a 29-storey block of flats in South London because it would cause a loss of daylight for neighbouring properties and result in harm to their living conditions. And finally, Surrey Heath Borough Council, which covers the constituency of Housing Secretary Michael Gove, has confirmed that its local plan will be delayed by ten months as a result of the government's proposed changes to national planning policies.
0: Okay, so the latest uh, delay uh, attributed to those uh, to those changes. Thanks very much, John. What about um, what about any other sort of stories from the past couple of weeks that may not be um, be seismic in terms of their um, national policy import, but seem to have caught the
1: eye of our readers? Well, um, our readers are always interested in um, high-profile enforcement cases, and um, there's been a a, a very long-running and infamous saga involving a, a businessman in the Forest of Dean in Gloucestershire, who built what has been described as Britain's biggest man cave in his back garden without planning permission. This was basically a large sports and leisure facility. And the, the Forest of Dean District Council took enforcement action against him. And it there's been several court cases. And he ended up being jailed for contempt of court last year. And this week, the uh, he appealed to the, the Court of Appeal. Um, but this week, they ruled that it was right to jail him. For contempt of court, and they described him as the author of his own misfortune.
0: Okay, well, maybe that's come to a conclusion. Uh, I wonder if we'll be hearing more about uh, more about Britain's biggest man cave, but um, it sounds like maybe that's that's the uh, the end of that story. Well, thank you very much, John. Of course, listeners can read more on all of those stories at planningresource.co.uk. But I think our work is done. Let's get out before there are any more announcements or decisions. Great, that's another fortnight summarised.
1: Yes, we'll be back with a bonus edition next week when we'll be taking a deep dive into a recent court judgement with big lessons for any applications for infrastructure intended to support large-scale housing development.
0: In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe wherever you normally get your podcasts. To get a daily bulletin of planning news plus weekly analysis and specialist bulletins, subscribe at planningresource.co.uk and look out for the National Planning Summit where I'm delighted to say the aforementioned new planning minister, Rachel McLean, will be delivering a keynote speech, which takes place in London on the 2nd and the 3rd of May. And planning is also a partner in Net Zero Connect. It's a conference that will be held on the 21st of June in Birmingham. Our thanks to producers Hannah Holt from Haymarket Business Media and Sophie King from Rethink. And thanks for listening.